0: excellent well good evening everyone at home who's tuning in um, we just had an incredible time of worship here and that uh, we're ready for the word so i hope you are too um, we have nacho so i, I want to ask nacho to come up and i want to ask everyone else just to put get a round of applause hello everyone
1: Right? Can you hear me? Yeah. Absolutely, uh, you can. Uh, good evening, everybody. And those working, watching from home, it's uh, a great honor and privilege to uh, to be here tonight to bring the word of God to you. Um, I believe that uh, God has something He has to say to each and every one of us, and we know that the word of God is powerful. The Bible said the word of God is living and active, you know. Um, so I believe that he's going to work and do great things in our lives tonight right so tonight we'll be uh, sharing on the topic of the importance of Ariel, unity you're a bit taller than the show <laughs> okay i hope everyone can see me okay at home um, so we'll be sharing tonight on the importance of unity and it's the uh, fourth installment of the series we've been um we've been discussing which is to do with uh, building the house okay So, what we're going to do, we're going to start by first, you know, going through the dictionary definition of unity, and uh, we'll just take it from there. So, according to the dictionary, unity is being together or at one with something or someone. Another definition is the state of being joined together or in agreement. And another one is the quality or state of not being multiple, oneness. And the last one I've got is a condition of harmony or accord. So as we go through this session, we're going to discover that aspects of each of these definitions uh, are demonstrated in the lives of the people in the story uh, of Nehemiah, especially as it concerns building or rebuilding the broken walls of Jerusalem. Now, anyone who has read the uh, book of Nehemiah will know that a lot of the focus of the book of Nehemiah is about how God used this man called Nehemiah who was um, the cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes. That's how you pronounce it. So I had to check that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Ataxexus um, was the king of Persia. Uh, oh, just out of interest, if anybody knows any other name that has two Letter X's in it. I'll be interested to know. This guy is unique. <laughs> you know, two, two, two X's in one uh, Xerox. You know, I thought. Yeah. Very good. Hold on to me. Uh, so, um, like I said, Nehemiah was a copier to this king, and um, even though he had never lived his life, any of his life, um, um, before we, you know, get introduced to him the Bible. Uh, in Jerusalem he had always lived you know in um, in Sushan. he was born in you know in captivity so he lived in Sushan which was like the capital city of um, of um, of Persia. and moreover he lived in the fortress uh, the, the fortified fortress you know the palace uh, which was called you know in some versions the citadel um, so he so he always lived you know away from Jerusalem but even though he lived about 800 miles away from Jerusalem God used him to Rebuild the broken walls of um, of Jerusalem, and he achieved that that feat in you know of rebuilding the whole walls or the walls of the city in just 52 days. You know, so that is a very remarkable you know uh, feat. That's a, that's that's an incredible um, feat by any standards in any day on A or age. You know, but the fact is this: Nehemiah didn't do it single handed. Handedly, did he? You know, he. Um, you know, God used him as, as the spearhead, you know, of that mission, of that movement, you know, but he needed the people who were living, uh, the Jews who were living there, the people who had returned from, uh, from exile and who were living in Jerusalem. He needed them to come on board, you know, he needed them to um, uh, share the vision with him and, um, you know, to work together, you know, to, um, to actually, you know, lay the bricks, you know, on top of each other, side by side, section by section until the whole of, you know, Jerusalem was, uh, sorry, the whole of the walls. Uh, war was rebuilt. So in order to accomplish that, there must have had to be a people who were of one mind, you know, people who were united in purpose, okay, I'm sure we'll all agree with that, <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't have been able to get the job done if they were you know, like, not able to work together. So the first thing I'd like us to consider this evening, the first thing I'd like us to ponder on this evening is what you know, brought about that unity, you know? what, what, what caused that unity? In the, in the in the life of the people, um, what was it that what, was, what thing can you say you know was it that bonded their hearts together so that they worked as one, you know what what fused you know their collective wills you know into one to compel them to you know pull you know their 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 time and energy you know and their efforts you know and their resources together you know towards you know such a huge task. So there are a number of things. Um, I was, you know, as I was preparing, I was thinking about quite a few things, but I just want to bring attention to three things, you know, that I believe that helped to enable or foster that unity among the people. And the first one is this. It was a realization or understanding of who they were, you know, their identity. That was, that was the first key thing. Okay, so I mean, who were who were these people? Who are these people who helped, you know, um, Nehemiah rebuild the world? Uh, there were people who were, you know, the remnant or part of the remnant, you know, of God's covenant people who were living in Jerusalem at that time. So they were Jews, um, descendants of Abraham, people who shared a common history, uh, a common ancestry, common heritage. Okay, there's a very telling statement that Nehemiah makes in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, We should hopefully turn on the screen mm in a moment. And uh, this is at the time that he was responding to the... (laughs) He had lots lots of opponents, you know, uh, but they were mocking him and ridiculing him. You know, there was this guy called Sambalat, you know, who was a Horonite. There was Tobiah, who was uh, an Ammonite. And there was Jeshem, the Arab. So they were the non-Jews who were opposing him at that time. And this is what he said to them in Nehemiah 2 verse 20. Okay, I'll read it. He says, I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. In other words, what he was saying in Nehemiah, what he was saying here is that only the people of God will rebuild the walls of the city of god it wasn't a job for it wasn't a job for outsiders he made it very clear <laughs> okay um, it's like the great commission okay uh, mark, mark 16 verse 15 which says "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation that's not a task for the whole world is it that's not a mandate for the United Nations, is it? You know, you won't go to the United Nations charter and see, you know, preach the gospel to every, you know. That's, of course not. Um, it's an assignment exclusive to the church, you know, to the ecclesia. They, you know, the call that once, uh, you know, the people of God, you and I. Okay. And um, we're going to read next 1 Peter 2, uh, 9 and 10, and we're going to see what God says there about us. And he says, But you, as me and you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You know, we are a nation within a nation, if you like. <laughs> God's special possession. And then it goes, you know, to verse 10 and it says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. So, so, that's what the Bible says about me and you, that we are the people of God. Paul puts it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Okay, And it says, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given of the one spirit to drink. So basically, the spirit of Christ that is in you the spirit of Christ that's in Paul, that's in Mandy, that's in Sean, that's in tony that's in me, Pastor Andy, all of us, and those watching, you know, um, from home as well. The spirit of Christ that is in you and me uh, is what joins us together, you know, what um, you know unites us to form one body with Christ as the head. You know, uh, some countries today, like, like where my wife is from, my wife from Slovakia. Uh, countries like Slovakia, they have, you know, a national ID. And, um, and you know, everybody who is a, a bona fide citizen of that country carries a um, an ID card, you know, and it's what identifies them, you know, as citizens of that country. In the same way, you and I we carry a spiritual ID, um, which identifies us as the people of God, you know, and that's the Spirit of Christ in us, the Spirit of God in us, you know. It's, the, it's that seal of ownership that says. This is God's possession, this is God's property, this is God's special, you know, people. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So it's this sort of understanding that um, the people or realization that the people of people in Nehemiah's um, time came to. Um, and that was what Nehemiah suddenly brought to their remembrance. I'm gonna see that in Nehemiah 2, verse 17. This is when Nehemiah had arrived, you know, in Jerusalem and rallied the people together and he began to address them and appeal to them. <laughs> and he says this. You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Okay? And what was their response in the next verse, in verse 18? It says, So they replied, or they replied, Let us start rebuilding. Okay? Because they were basically you know, saying, Yes, what you're saying is true. You know, they were acknowledging and accepting the fact that you know this is who we are. We are the people of God, you know, and He has put us in this place, in this position at this time, you know, to be you know to be able to rebuild the walls of the city of God. You know, it's not some Jews who are like in some, I don't know, far-flung part of the world where they have been you know scattered to. So it's us who are living here, you know, at this time, you know, at this very place. And they were saying, yes, this work is on us. Okay? And that brings me to a very interesting point. Um, that phrase, which we find in verse, uh, verse 17 and verse 18, if you want to put that back, where it says, Let us rebuild. Uh, that was um, Nehemiah addressing the people, and then their response, Let us start rebuilding. The first part of that phrase, those two words, let us, it appears in quite a few places in the Bible. Pastor, still is not. And it's usually used when there is an agreement uh, between two or more parties, you know, to uh, to perform a unified action, to do something together. Okay. And the first, very place, very first place is used in the Bible. is in Genesis one, verse twenty-six, when God was creating the world, and He said, "Let us make mankind our image." In our likeness you know and then it goes on to say to rule over the fish of the sea you know the birds in the sky and so on and so forth so god the father was speaking to god the son and god the holy spirit you know the trinity the triune god um and they were saying let's do this let's 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 come together let's agree to make man to create man and give him authority over the earth okay um so so that's the first example the next example that phrase is used can anyone guess? It's in the tower, um, the story of the tower of the city of Babel. And that's in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. And it says there, Let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. So the people there were, you know, coming together, agreeing together to do something, you know, and, <laughs> well, God didn't approve, obviously, we know the story. Um, but it caught God's attention. Yeah, it caught it caught God's attention. You know, so He had another counsel in heaven. And listen, in Genesis chapter eleven verse seven, He says the same thing again. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So when the people in the time were saying, "Let us rebuild the wall," let us start rebuilding. I believe God in heaven was nodding His head in approval. You know i believe that it was something that you know caught his attention i believe he would have been saying yes that's it that's that's what i want to hear that's what you know that's the language you know uh, i want my people to speak that's the language i understand you know um and i've got here unity and faith i have very strong combination and it's something that god does not ignore okay look at what it says in matthew 18 uh, 19 and 20 and he says this again truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for it will be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three gather in my name there I am with them so god is drawn to unity and faith okay um and i believe that's why it's not a coincidence that you know um in acts chapter 2 verse 1 on the day that the holy spirit came you know on the day of pentecost it was the day that the Bible says that all the disciples were together in one place, in one accord. Praise God. So that's the first one. Um, that they came to a realization that, you know, our awareness, if you like, you know, that we are the people of God and He has put us in this place, you know, who is strategically in this place so that we can do the work. <laughs> so that's the first thing I believe that fostered unity among the people. Then the next one is this. A shared or common vision. A shared or common vision. You see, God had birthed that vision in the hearts of Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. You know, it was a, it was a clear vision God gave him. You know, and it started from the day he heard, you know, about the uh, the state of affairs, you know, in Jerusalem um, when he was still living in, in Sushan and uh, his one of his brothers, he says, came back you know from visiting the place and to say the place, is, the place is bad it's bad and god you know you know birthed this vision in his heart you know last you know he prayed for four months before he went to the king but he had this vision you know to rebuild that broken wall um now when nehemiah arrived in jerusalem you know he carried his vision with him you know that vision was in his heart it was you know it was like just you know burning in his heart and he articulated that vision to the people and the people caught the vision, you know. And suddenly so it wasn't Nehemiah's vision alone anymore. It became their vision as well. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, this is the, the uh, English Standard Version. And it says this. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. Yeah. Amen. So, so vision is like that. You know, like it's, it's like a spark or ignition that proved. This is a you know, positive action you know, in the life of people and sustains these as well. So the vision that um, Nehemiah shared, it provoked a reaction in the life of the people to arise and to begin building the wall. Um, Nehemiah was the visionary here. So like we have our very own Pastor Andy, who is, uh, you know, you know, thank God, you know, a visionary you know, here for us as well. Proverbs 29, verse 18 in the King James Version. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I want you to imagine with me what the lives of the people who were before the court vision, You know, before Nehemiah came. I'm going to read Nehemiah 1 verse 3. <laughs> it describes what, what was going on there. He says, Nehemiah 1 verse 3, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And the gates have been burnt with fire. So, this shows you the state that the people were living in. It says that they were in disgrace. They were, you know, I think another I version says they were dist- in distress. They were distressed. They were in disgrace, in despair. And they were living well below their potential. And that was the pre vision era. You know, but something changed. Something, something, something ignited. Something came alive in the hearts of the people after they caught that vision that, that Nehemiah carried. To rebuild the wall. You know, they became motivated and with one voice they said, Let's do this. They became united in purpose. So look at Nehemiah chapter 2, 17 and 18. Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in? We read it before. You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burnt with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me. And what the king has said to me, they replied, "Let us start rebuilding." So they began this good work. So something changed when he shared that vision with them. And as I was preparing this message, I was reminded of this verse um, in Revelation chapter three, verse eighteen, when Jesus was speaking to the church in Laodicea. Laodicea, Laodicean church, <laughs> It's the church that's called the lukewarm church. Um, and that, that verse is Revelation three eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, yeah. yeah. And he says there uh, that I counsel you to buy from me gold and so on and so forth. But then he says this, that he, um, how does he put it there, to to buy salve from him, to put on their eyes so they could see, all right? Now when I was meditating on that, it occurred to me that you can have physical eyes, but not have vision if that makes sense you know so it's just eyes but you can't see <laughs> so physical eyes does not guarantee vision or sight and sometimes we need jesus to anoint our spiritual eyes right. the eyes of our of our spirit man in you know, order that we can see you know that's what paul was praying for um, for the ephesian church in ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 and he says it there very clearly i pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened you know that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So without vision, the people living in Jerusalem before Nehemiah came or arrived they were blinded to, to the possibilities, you know, all they could see was, what was there in front of them? problem you know, A brokenness, hopelessness, you know, an impossible task. But after they took hold of the vision, <laughs> that picture changed, you know, um, hope and optim- optimism rose up in their hearts. And they were ready to tackle that wall. You know, say, come on, let's do this, let's start rebuilding. You know, they became united under one vision to rebuild the wall. So that's the second thing. Um, and the third thing that I think that helped to engender that unity in the hearts of the people was this evidence of the grace of God. Amen. The people could see, you know, when, <laughs> when Nehemiah arrived, you know, that the hand of God was upon Nehemiah. You know, this stranger who had come into town, you know, somebody I'd never met before. You know, it was evident to them that God was using him and that God was behind, you know, you know his arrival and what you know, he had set out to do. Listen to what he says in Nehemiah 2 verse 18. <clears throat> he says, I also told them about the gracious hand of, of my God for me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. For 70 years, at least 70 years, the people had lived in that condition of a broken wall. Uh, and then suddenly you know, Nehemiah turns up with um, <laughs> building materials from the king and you know with an entererage as well to put. You know, I, I think that would have been like blinking lights, you know, um, hand, up, hand on the wall, right hand on the uh, wall, handwriting on the wall moment, you know, that God is doing something here, you know. Uh, things are moving, things, you know, God is on the move, you know, and we, we better be a part of it. Um uh, it says that Nehemiah shared the grace about the gracious hand, God's gracious hand upon him. And and I believe that, you know, he would have well, I'm sure he would have no doubt have told him about the favor he received from the king. And we're gonna look at uh, what uh, what what he you know discussion he had with the king in Nehemiah 2 verse 7 and 9. Nehemiah 2, 7 to 9. Listen to this. I I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy? And because because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of trans Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king also sent army, and army officers and cavalry with me. So it's like this: um, you want timber from the royal, royal park to build uh, beams for the gates? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you want? Have it. <laughs> um, you want them. Um, you want letters to the various governors um, of trans to ensure you have safe passage? No problem, granted. You want a house to live in? Yeah? build away. way. Uh, and you can get extras as well. You know, he didn't ask for soldiers or army officers, but you know, the kids they have that as well. So all this would have given the people, um, you know, confidence that this was God's doing. You know this is a pagan king <laughs> you know what interest does he have you know in rebuilding uh, you know the the, the walls You know, you know that potentially you know rise up against him or something i don't know. um but this would have been that god was with nehemiah that god was with him that he was god's man for the hour okay and that god was behind this project to rebuild the wall and this is that therefore he was somebody that they could follow and unite under so in many ways nehemiah In the Old Testament, okay, was a type of Christ. Um, If you think about it, he came from the palace. Mm -hmm. He was in the presence of the king, just like Jesus came from heaven and he was sent from the presence of the Father. Nehemiah wept over Jerusalem when he heard about their broken state and you know their sorry condition. Jesus wept over Jerusalem as well, and he uh, saw you know what was gonna befall them. Nehemiah was on a mission to restore the broken walls of Jerusalem. Jesus came to restore broken lives. Amen. Right. The might came with timber and letters from the king as we read before. That would say that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And from the fullness of that grace, we have received one blessing after another. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And So many of that, you know, parallels. The Hemaia faced opposition, so the Jesus. The Hemaia cleansed the temple, you know, at one stage. And so did Jesus as well. Um, so, so those are the three things that I believe that helped them to, you know, um, work in unity or foster that, that unity, you know, in their hearts. Okay, so we have established there was unity. There was that sense of oneness, that togetherness amongst the people. And the next thought I would like us to consider is this. How was that unity manifested? Okay, I think it's important for us to see this as well. And there are two ways I've written here, of, I, know, as I believe God has led me to write here. Two ways that that unity was manifested. First of all, the people were united indeed, you know, they were united in actually doing the work. <laughs> you know, they didn't go back to their houses after hearing Nehemiah speak and say, uh, let's let's just sit down and start reading the local newspaper. You know, let's make a cup of tea, let's go off to the local pub or, you know, I don't know whatever they did, you know, for pastime <laughs> um, you No, know, they actually got down to the business of rebuilding the wall. you know, and well, well, they all, almost all of them, marked. You know, if you read, if you read the whole um, chapter of um, chapter three of Nehemiah, it gives a detailed account. I, you know, I encourage you to read it when you get home. You know, it's too much to put on the screen, but you know, it gives a detailed account of everyone. No one was missed. It was like a rule call of um, everybody who rebuilt or repaired. You know, the wall. They were all recorded there. You know, for posterity. Uh, and I asked myself, why? Why, why would God you know, make that effort? You know, why would God make the effort to put the name of every, I mean, every family, every, every man, every, you know, um, there were different professions as well. You know, there were Levites, the uh, priests, goldsmiths, merchants, district leaders. one was like too big or too small. Uh, you know, even perfumers. I was like, they had perfumers and then people were making perfume, you know, <laughs> selling them, I suppose everyone you know everyone who got involved in that project was written down there you know so many names you know so many names that's even in verse 12 somebody called shalom who repaired a section of the wall with the help of his daughter so it was just not, it wasn't just men as well it was men and women um but why did god make the efforts you know, of, of writing you know the people's names down because as far as god was concerned it was not worthy you know Heaven was taking notes, <laughs> heaven was making notes of the people who got involved in that project, you know. Um, so, so, like I said, they, they, they all kind of uh, chipped in and you know, rebuilt some, rebuilt you know, sections in front of their houses, um, has rebuilt you know, gates, some made um, extensive you know, um, repairs on you know, different sections of the wall, you know. So, there was unity in action, that's the point I want to bring here. It was unity in action, um. And it's interesting, you know, and it's worth mentioning that in the list of workers that was mentioned, okay, or professionals that were mentioned, there was no mention of a professional builder or carpenter. You know, they were all laymen, you know. All they did was make themselves available for God to use them. Right. Um, you know, and the, the Bible says that they had a mind to work. Yeah. Nehemiah 4, verse 6, just to read that verse for you Nehemiah 4, verse 6, and it says, So we rebuilt the wall. Till it all, till all of it reached half its height. For the people walked with all their hearts. So unfortunate to say, walked. They had a mind to work. So, um, so that's one way they were united. Or oh, sorry, one of the ways their unity was manifested. They were united, you know, in in the action of actually building the wall. So the second way I've got here is that they were united in arms. They had each other's backs. Okay, I'm going to read uh, Nehemiah 4: 16 to 18. And he says, from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all of the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did the work, did their work with one hand and held the weapon on the other hand. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he walked. But the, men, but the man who sounded trumpet stayed with me. Okay, so that's Nehemiah 4, 16 to eighteen. So at this stage, the wall had been rebuilt to you know about half of its um, half of its height, um, and the enemies of the people of God they were not happy. You know, it mentions it uh, mentions who they were. They were the people of Samaria, <coughs> the Ammonites, the Philistines, and even the Arabs. You know, and they were not happy with the progress that was being made, and, and you know, like I said, about halfway to completion you know, they began to conspire and plot to attack the Jews, you know, to kill them and to uh, destroy the world. So the, the, the ridicule and the mockery and, you know, the scorn and everything they had, you know, they were laughing at them and, you know, trying to discourage them. That didn't work. So I this, said, this cause was serious action. So they, they actually planned to attack them. They were planning to attack them. Um, and what do you think the people did? Well, we just read that in spite of those, you know, threats and what looked like imminent danger, the people didn't back down. You know, um, and I think that is the work, sorry, the mark of truly united people, that they let nothing get in the way of the work they had committed to do. So instead of quitting or faltering, you know, um they, 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 they did they went, you know, the extra man if you like, you know, they, they they became extra vigilant, you know, to watch out for each other and to cover each other's backs and to support one another. So they were united in opposition. And they adjusted, you know, to the thread level, but just they didn't stop the work. And they are to remind me so much um, of the mindset and mentality of St. Paul, which we can read about in Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 24. Acts 2, sorry, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Okay, pardon. And it says this However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My aim is to finish the race and complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know that's that's commitment to our level, isn't it? <laughs> you know, but that's the kind of heart that you know Paul carried. You know, and I believe you know that's a, a measure of his, what was in the hearts of the people. You know, as they were doing that rebuilding process. I mean, Paul suffered. We know you know we know of what Paul went through for the gospel: shipwrecks, uh, beatings. You know, beating with rods, stonings. You know, imprisonments, um, what other things? You know, all sorts of manner of you know challenges that Paul had. But this man will not stop. You know, he will not. He will keep getting up, and he will keep you know going from city to city. You know, planting churches, strengthening churches, um, and, and just you know proclaiming. That's what he said. Is you know, is uh, you know uh, about himself here. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, you know, you can name. Paul faced it. You know, but he just kept going. Um, and, and my prayers that God will give us such hearts. You know that are fully committed to his course yeah. as well. Um, that when we put our heart to the plow, to the plow rather, we will not look back. So as we begin to round up now, um, just a few questions I want to leave with us tonight. Okay. Um, so it gets challenging, I guess. How do we apply what we have learned today? What is God asking you and I to join with Him to rebuild today? Um, as we see broken lives, broken homes, the broken world around us, are we seeing rubble? Something that's impossible to, to rebuild? Or are we catching the vision? Thank God, like I said, for Pastor Andy and you know, the vision that God has made him, you know, the vision of restored lives. Are we hearing the call of the Holy Spirit to arise and rebuild? In John 17, 21 to 23. Okay, we're not going to read all that but there are three times that jesus you know in that in those two verses so yeah two or three verses three times jesus prayed you know for those who believed in him to be one um, just as he's one with the father because he understood you know the power that is released when there is unity There's the power of synergy you know the power of, that enables one person to chase He says one which chases one thousand yeah. Or two, we put ten thousand of flight, yeah. You know, uh, and that's why the rebuilding of the wall was achieved in fifty-two days because there was unity. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were working. You know, um, as one. So there was an anointing. You know, a supernatural with ease and increase of uh, you know upon them. We're gonna end with this verse, which is uh, well, verses. It's in Psalm one thirty-three, verses one to three, and uh, that just summarizes you know everything about unity. Says this. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hemmon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. Amen. Uh, So may we, like the people of... uh, People in the time of Nehemiah, may we, God's people, may we put away every excuse and join hands together and re- rebuild the broken walls around us. Amen. Go. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Is this one, Bertha? I always find it interesting that um, God sometimes allows there to be a remnant in order to um, regain the strength um, in his people that there should be. And, And it seems that God can work almost more through a remnant who are together and desire the same thing than sometimes just a big crowd of people who are all sort of in different places and go in different directions. And I guess that's the idea of, of the father pruning the tree isn't it? That sometimes there's bits that need removing so that the tree can be everything that the father wants it to be. And it's interesting going through this time uh, at the moment where there's this coronavirus and everything in the world is different and when we come back together again as a church, um, things are going to look different and there's going to be some rebuilding. Um, but before the rebuilding comes the regathering, the the, the kind of regrouping. And, um, and I just think Sunday Night Local is part of that. It, it's about actually those who are here or those that want to be here. Uh, and, and there's lots more people that, that want to be connected with the church and are connecting with the church. We're still a, a large, strong church. Um, however, I think um, through this time we're going to really, um, and as we come out of this time, we're going to we kind of come together in a, in a much stronger way with hearts that are truly united. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited that in the midst of this uh, difficult and challenging season, God is working. So I just want to encourage you with that. Um, you know, God can work through the remnant um, and and did in, in Nehemiah's time. Nacho, that was an excellent word, really well delivered. Totally biblical, (laughs) and um, loved all the use of the scripture and the the way that you brought things out. And I just love that that thought. Let us, let us rebuild. And it's funny um, in uh, verses 17 and 18 of that passage that you were referring to. um, Nehemiah first says, "Let us rebuild," and then the people says us say, let us start rebuilding. So they caught the heart of the visionary leader, didn't they? And often I, I hear Pastor Andy saying things to us as a church, you know, let us go this way, let us do this. Um, and, um, and there's been many let us statements throughout many, many years of doing church and there's many more to come as well. And, and I love it when God's people, our response is yeah, let us go and do this because uh, then God can really work so thank you Nacho and thank you Pastor Andy as well for being the, the visionary leader that you are um, and uh, always keeping us on our toes, always keeping us uh, with some really just incredible things that we're, we're looking forward to so um, there's so much to come there really is, this is going to be a good year and sometimes when you sit in the middle of a, a dark time you can't see it But let me tell you, this is going to be a good year. Good things are going to happen this year. So thank you for watching, Sunday Night Local. Now I'm going to press stop.